And now for something completely different. Welcome to Shout Out. Out of the closet and into your ears. Oh, hello, we're back. Welcome to Shout Out with me, Matthew Tosh. And me, Lara Lanamy. This week, we chat to the author, John Thurlow, about his new book. We've got news of a special screening coming up at the Watershed. And Terry brings us his monthly news. I'm so excited, Mag. And we have a lot of music thrown your way too. That's all coming up on this week's show, so don't go anywhere. You could do it, yeah. Very good. I could. I was even on time. No, I miss Andy's little celebration of me doing it, though. You, sorry. <clears throat> Hooray! Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Is thank that better? You. You yeah, that's better so much better. I feel like a queen now. Well, look, we're back again. We've been allowed yeah, to host back, for back the again. second time. I know. It's because they can get enough of us, oh. as usual. It's uh, not, not punishment. Very um, but it's not just us <laughs> this week. It's not just us. We have Ez and we have Terry. Hello. Um, and we do have Steph, but she's so quiet you won't know she's here. Well, it's the producer's she, prerogative. Yeah, yeah, keeping an eye on us all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very, yeah. Very, yeah. Very, yeah. Very, in the green room. Yeah. Oh, we have a green room. We do have a green room, of course. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just painted green. Yeah, yeah. People sit in there to get away from me. There was, yeah. a, there was actually uh, there was a reason they were painted green, wasn't it? To car- wasn't it calming colours? Oh. Have I got that right? How's I can imagine that. Color? I can certainly imagine. That. I know that buses um, were painted sort of like uh, cyan and magenta because they were calming colours. If you remember the old first oh. buses about ten years ago, they had this sort of pink and blue scheme. Because there's nothing like being calmed by a bus, is it? Absolutely. I mean, no one's ever lost their temper on a bus. No. <laughs> or with the services exactly, for buses exactly. public like, transport oh, do you know when it's something, a bus is late and it comes out as like magenta I'm like suddenly oh, I feel <laughs> suddenly you're okay like, about it yeah, yeah I'm just like yes that's why Great I welcome the bus nonchalantness <laughs> that honestly, we, we need more of honestly, in life especially really in Bristol down, I mean the bus knew? drivers have it really easy don't know, they yeah. nobody ever gets annoyed oh who knew <laughs> who knew psychology right I know Pu- right public transport is so soothing isn't it it is it is it is yes. but we have something else to talk about, Matthew. We have. We? Well, we've got lots coming up in the show because we can talk about literature. Terry's got his news as well. But uh, we're going to start up with uh, some uh, a bit of information that's come into us um, about uh, a screening that's happening this coming. Oh, it's coming Wednesday um, at the Watershed here in Bristol, um, and it's called The Prison of Silence. Now, this is a feature-length drama produced by Blunt Edge Films and Operation Emotion that follows the lives of two men who are survivors of sexual abuse. The film examines the barriers, obstacles and prejudice that men face in coming forward to seek help. Um, There are trailers uh, online and we might pop a a link to those uh, on our website. Uh, Each screening is followed by an audience discussion led by members of the Operation Emotion team and local organisations. And this bit I really like because it's it's, it's about stimulating conversation. Yeah, Uh, and uh, that's why the title is so effective, like the prison science, because we all can get caught in that very prison's mindset where you like no one will understand me completely this is so important especially for um people that are historically kind of not part well don't enter the conversation of like do you know i mean have been actively removed in that conversation Mm. because it requires emotion and relation and that's something that's not really been taught i believe yeah in 
In, sorry, just thinking, yeah, exactly that. I was thinking that in my line of work, I work with men aged 30 to 64 who have got um, complex mental health needs, who are um, a male suicide prevention project. And obviously I support um, some gentlemen who do share that they've had very difficult experiences, traumatic, uh, traumatic experiences related directly to sexual abuse. And um, I, might have be, I might be the first person they've ever spoken to. Mm-hmm. And actually mm-hmm. the process, the legal process is really daunting. Um, and the support services are there, but they're very slow to put in that support because they're so underfunded and so understaffed that they're wonderful people people like um say uh oh i forgot now people like safe link in the swan project for example you know they are there so if anybody's listening and wants to go see it go see it but also if you're struggling um with these things yourself there are a lot of services available including the hope project yeah well this film um challenges the myths and misinformation uh and demonstrates simple strategies to improve in particular men's engagement with those services for exactly as you just said there as, and it's also a chance to have an open, healthy debate about a subject that's mm. often wrongly deemed to be too difficult to discuss. Yeah. Um, so it's called The Prison of Silence. It shines a light into the penumbra world of sexual abuse and generates a greater understanding of the effects of trauma on society. And it's a story of hope and salvation. And I think mm. yeah, we, 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 we need, need a little bit of hope. We need yeah. to, to really yeah. break the stigma of talking about how you're feeling your experiences and asking for help. So Especially. just to remind you, this is next Wednesday, Wednesday the 5th of October, um, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. on at the Watershed Cinema in Bristol. Um, more details at watershed.co.uk and it's going to be followed by a panel discussion about the needs and future support for men and boys who have experienced sexual assault in the Avon and Somerset area mm. and it's uh, there is an Operation Emotion film project uh, this is a uh, sorry this is an Operation Emotion film project that is being shared by The Bridge and Sark in Bristol as well both uh, support groups as well so um, yeah um, more information watershed.co.uk Shout out LGBT Radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. Moby and Porcelain there. Now, we're going to be focusing on literature now. Um, David Sterling lives the suburban life. He has been married to Carrie for 14 years and they have two daughters. To the onlooker, life behind the Sterling's picket fence looks perfect. And in many ways it is, save for the fact that David carries a burdensome secret, one that he has guarded well since he was a teenager. Now, this is from the description of Unstraight, a book about growing up, a story of emotion confusion and happiness. Steffi Barnett has been chatting to the author, John Thurlow. We've had quite a few authors on the show, and um, I don't know about you, but I just love the books that the LGBTQIA community get behind. And there seems to be an innate imagination and skill within the queer community for the arts. And um, I'm joined by John Thurlow. John, you've just got your book out. Now, it's called Unstraight. I just love that name, Unstraight. Where did that come from? Thank you, Steph. Um, so, yeah, it came, I mean, it's pretty much my journey. I, I, I lived in the closet until I was 44, um, was married with children, and um, and then I needed to unstraighten myself. And uh, uh, and at the end of that journey, I put, I put the journey down um, as a fictionalized memoir into words and um, unstraight. It's the path to becoming unstraight. <laughs> I just love it. I just love that title. Yeah. Um, now, 
if you're okay, we'll go back uh, when you were growing up on that. Were you at all confused growing up, you know, at school age? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think as soon as you hit puberty and maybe slightly before that you're very much aware i mean certainly i was um so you know people often often will often ask well if you knew why did you get married and we can talk about that in a couple of minutes but it was really i knew when my friends were crushing on girls i was crushing on my friends and um uh, but given the time and the place it was 1980s you know you just weren't prepared to sort of expose yourself so you just fitted into the conventional conservative box and you moved along mm. Did you get bullied at all for being sort of different? Yeah, did I did. You try um, hard yeah, to fit in. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, I think. Uh, well, if you um, chapter two of the book is all about bullying. It's about it's about the playground. Eleven-year-old David Sterling, the 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 protagonist in the book, and um, yeah, for sure. I mean, that was inspired by what happened to me. Um, so yeah, there are lots of bullying, and I think also. I think when you're a a softer a softer boy in a in a primary school in a primary school setup, you kind of gravitate to the girls. Well, I, I I certainly did, and I think yeah, there was lots of bullying, and and it was not so much just you know blatant bullying. Um, in actual fact, there's a person who's who's put something up on Goodreads about the book, and he's and he said the thing that that jumped out at him was how throwaway homophobic comments can cause huge damage. So, and I suppose in a way to answer your question, that's also about, <laughs> it's a, a form of a form of bullying. You know, it's, it's yep. something that you just hear over and over and it just pushes you deeper and deeper into the closet. Mm. You say you gravitated to, to the girls. So you obviously felt a lot more comfortable chatting to girls than you did the boys. Yeah, I think it was a safer space. Um, the, the 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 scene in chapter two describes a, a hopscotch skipping kind of game that's happening with all the girls on the field and then the bullies come in. You obviously went through schooling, went through uh, adolescence and that. You got married, like you said, with with children. W- was that was there an inner fight going on within you? Yeah, that fight was always there. I mean, and also what I should just add into the mix was I was raised Catholic. So um, I was dealing with the church. I was also, I grew up in South Africa, as you can hear from my accent. Yes. So <laughs> a, a, a very conservative time and place. Um, although the book is, the book is, um, is the story takes place in, in England. Um, so just to, um, just to put that out there. Um yeah, so I was—I was certainly was conflicted. Um, I always knew, and um, in the book, I talk about the compartments in my head, and 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 how you kind of—I call it—I call it those demons that were that were inside my head, and 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 how I would bundle them up and pack them away, and and there was—I mean, at a particular time, I could pack that away for up to seven years. You know, and just carry on with living the straight life and, and trying to push out all of that temptation. And then eventually it catches up with you. And for me, it was this kind of at age 43, it started to unravel in my head. And um, 
I knew I needed to. I knew I needed to unpack those boxes. Would you mind me asking about your wife and whether she accepted, yeah, sure. or whether it was difficult for you both? I mean, it's 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 been a journey. It's been a tough journey. We've we have arrived ten years down the line at a happy place where we're friends, um, and uh, we speak to each other particularly about our children. Um, our daughters are 19 and 20 now. So at the time that I came out, they were probably like 10 and 11. Um, so uh, an, an impressionable time for them as well. It was obviously the sit down chat, which is how the book opens. So at the time, uh, Hannah and Sarah were 10 and 11. And um, so quite an impressionable age for the two of them. So I stayed uh, in the marital home for the next six months um, while we unraveled and unpacked and made plans. And it was also, I think, a therapeutic time for my my ex-wife to, you know, release a lot of her um, anger and frustration and for me to stay close and suck it up. Um, and also just just work towards the end goal of, of um, finding that peace and that happiness and that friendship. Quite a lot of the book explores that particular journey. And there's one chapter that I'm particularly fond of, which is called New Contracts. And it's really, it's really about how we, how we agreed to take things forward. And I also, in that chapter, I bring in, I, I have a partner um, who I'd met at the time and um I talk about the contracts that he made with his ex-wife as well. Quite different, but but all heading to the same kind of way. So I think I think the thing that made it work was we managed it as as closely and responsibly as we possibly could, always always with the issue of children first and a friendship that survives. Yeah. Yeah, understand that completely. I was in the same boat when um, I uh, transitioned um, okay. two boys. So, like you say, your kids always come first. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you said you 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 get on with with your wife now, your friends, and that. your partner. Does he get on with his his wife as well? In actual fact, um, he does too. Uh, it's all been it's all been preserved, but. I mean, just to just to be honest, it's taken us some time to get here, and I think that time does heal. Time does allow for forgiveness, and and even if it's not forgiveness, it's acceptance. Because yeah. sometimes uh, you 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 can you can not understand something, um, or, uh, or you can not be happy about it, but you you can accept it and and get to a place where. You find peace with it, yeah. So the book, I guess, was quite cathartic. You were writing out you basically with a, a few twists that, that, that you've put in there. So it, has that really helped putting it down in writing the basic story? You know, <laughs> sitting down and putting that book down was something um, I, I hadn't expected the the therapy it was going to be. Um, and I found at times when I wrote, because I, I dumped the first draft of the book down in a three-month period. I just sat down and I wrote. Wow. And then for the next for the next three months, I, I cleaned it up. Um, and then there's been a process of editing with a publisher. Uh, but still today, when I read certain parts, in actual fact, the other evening, um, I was sent a text message. A person had just 
finished had just finished reading the book and they said they loved the ending so i opened the book up and i read that final chapter and i cried again oh. so i think yeah so i think um i think to answer your question in a long roundabout in in, in a long <laughs> it was incredibly cathartic it was incredibly healing but also a little bit more than that was just in terms of exploring a lifetime of feelings and emotions it reconnected me to people in my life for example dad you know i think dad i mean i love dad and dad loved me but i think in many ways i was a disappointment because i wasn't the boy that he wanted you know i was one of the soft boys um and he never verbalized that but i, I know that it created friction and tension and often when this friction and tension it manifests in different ways you're dealing with a particular issue but there's so much that underlies that and so writing the book has taken back to the day he died and um it was just incredibly healing to to reflect in my words on the person that he was and how he he influenced me so it was bigger than bigger than the journey itself Mm. And I guess it must be helping your family understand you a lot better, being able to sit down and read your inner thoughts. Yeah. And I think I've been quite um, generous with those inner thoughts. I haven't. I haven't <laughs> <had that. laughs> in, in actual fact, when I, when I put the book out there, I, I, I wasn't so much worried about the content because I thought it's a fictionalized memoir. People can think it's all true or they can think that it's not true. I, I was more concerned about putting a body of my own work out for people to criticize. And people can be people can be harsh, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, but I have to say that it's been out there for two weeks now. And in those two weeks, I've I felt a little more vulnerable about my story than I have about the work itself. Okay, uh, John, we've run right out of time. Sure. Before we go, um, our listeners are going to want to know where they can get a copy of your book and sure. how to follow you on social media. All right. So um, the, the, the easiest way to get the book is on Amazon. I'm currently, um, I'm currently trying to um, get it into a couple of local bookstores. But it's on Amazon.co.uk, Amazon.com, um, Unstraight by John Thurlow. Okay. It's T-H-U-R-L-O-W. Um, on Instagram, um, it's uh, John Thurlow 29. And um, uh, sorry, on Instagram, it's just John Thurlow. Okay. And on Facebook, it's uh, John.Thurlow.7. Uh, and then... There's also an Instagram page for the book, unstraight.thebook. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think we got that. Okay. All right. Great. Thank you so much. John Thurlow, good luck with the book. Thank um, you. Um, thank you so much for joining us at Showtime. And I appreciate the time and thank you to your listeners. All the best. Okay. Hi, this is Blue Eyed Ranger, and you're listening to Shout Out Radio. Shout Out. LGBT Radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. Oh, you can't beat a bit of Frankie Goes Hollywood. I haven't played any of that on the show for a little while. No, I haven't heard that in the show for like a long time. It's a foot tapping. It was a foot yeah, tapping. Yeah, it's a very like, no, I feel like it's a very pumpy, you want to walk down the street song. Like, yeah. It was a banger. And very relevant for the world situation as well at the moment. Oh, I've been war listening. in Ukraine yeah, and everything. It's, it's a message. And the original single actually came with the peace message on the back. Mm. Oh. 
wow, listed listed the weaponry of the USSR, of course, wow. as was, and the USA, wow. and said, we as young people still believe in peace. Oh, I love that. Gosh, yeah. I love your don't, brain. Don't yeah. we just, yeah. Laura, because yeah. we're the only young ones here. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Speak yeah. for yourself. Frankie goes to Hollywood. Me, yep. Yep. So, looking at the uh, time, it is time to Ooh. head over to the news team. Hope you're ready. This is Shoutout News on Thursday, 29th of September. Queerty News website reports on the sad passing of drag icon George Ward, also known by their drag persona, Cherry Valentine. Cherry has ascended to the realm of our LGBTQIA plus ancestors and to date, no cause of their passing has been announced. Cherry was an inspirational human being hailing from the Traveller community in County Durham. A qualified mental health nurse and a contestant on the 2021 season of RuPaul's Drag Race UK. Never one to sit still, Cherry returned to nursing during the main COVID-19 pandemic in 2020. They also made a documentary for BBC Three Television on their identities as a queer drag icon and a member of the traveller community entitled Gypsy Queen and Proud. Cherry was 28 years of age. His Holiness Pope Francis continues to reach out to the LGBTQI plus Roman Catholics and their supporters who may have been subject to discrimination within certain parts of the Catholic Church. Christopher White, writing for the National Catholic Reporter newspaper, said that on the 21st of September, the Holy Father had a productive meeting with Italian LGBT community advocates. During the meeting, the pontiff encouraged the gay Catholic group, the Tent of Jonathan, to build a church that excludes no one. As the Pope met the latest group of LGBT Catholics on September 21st, they greeted the pontiff wearing t-shirts bearing a rainbow heart and a passage of scripture from 1 John 4.18. In love, there is no fear. In the same issue of the Catholic Reporter, respected theologian Father Daniel P. Horan argued that conservative groups within Catholicism need to seriously reflect on the damage they are causing not only to LGBTQIA plus people and their friends, but also to the church itself, because they are driving thousands away from engagement within the institution. Feminists and allies have often argued that anti-abortion groups, even when they appear to be peacefully protesting reproductive health clinics, are capable of sudden and extreme violence against not just women, but also men and non-binary people who stand up to them. In Pennsylvania this week, prosecution papers have been filed against a Catholic extremist called Mark Hook, who allegedly pushed an elderly man to the ground when the man was helping a woman out of a clinic and past protesters. Anti-abortion activists have killed 11 people, including doctors, clinic employees, a clinic escort, security guard and a police officer between 1993 and 2016, according to the abortion rights advocacy group NARL Pro-Choice America. At least 26 attempted murders were recorded within that same period according to the group. NARL summarises people like Mr Hook as anti-choice zealots. Now let's turn to entertainment and celebrity news. Well wishes have been sending their regards to Dustin Lance Black the husband of Olympic hero Tom Daly after Dustin revealed that he had recently sustained a head injury and was starting a long road to recuperation. Dustin said that it had been a challenging and frightening time but added that his loving husband was looking after him and had taken him to Greece to recover in the warmth of Mediterranean autumn. Sky News Channel added that the 48-year-old did not reveal how he suffered the head injury. 
Now in sports, the Gay Football Supporters Network League has two dates upcoming in Division 1 on Saturday the 8th of October. Leicester Wildcats take on Saltire Thistle, whilst in Trowbridge, the Trowbridge Tigers play Nottingham Lions. And finally, in Bristol, the Stokescroft area remains a centre for radicalism and activism with independent shops, workers and cooperatives, vegan cafes and whole food stores in a lively street scene. Lamppost billboards and designated graffiti points are covered with an ever-changing skin of artwork, advertising political messages, events, club nights and making artistic interventions. One piece of poignant art we noticed this week on numerous boards was a stencil reading R.I.P. Queen and featuring the unmistakable features of, yes, you've guessed it, Freddie Mo. Freddie passed on from AIDS-related conditions in November 91, but the legacy of his music is still very much with us today. Nice to see him remembered so publicly, more than 30 years since his passing. For these news stories and more, we update our website every day. Check it out at shoutoutradio.lgbt. For Shoutout News, this has been Ezra Peregrine and Terry Starr. Shout out news, national and international LGBT news for you. Shout out LGBT radio for you. The shout out podcast. Now that was, oh hang on. Now that was the internet girl featuring Kate Shinada. I absolutely love that song. It obviously describes all my feelings about women that I've had throughout my whole life. So it was amazing. I love it. Thank, Thank you, you, Laura. You rescued me there. Um, so it's t- that time of the month where I get excited and we look at a couple of big stories from the news in detail. Yes, it's that time to place your bets. What's Terry got cooked up for us today? <laughs> well, Terry, tell me, reveal. What an introduction. Thank you very much, what have you Lara. Got for me? Well, you, uh, when we were talking off mic the other week, when mm. we were, were, were doing our first programme since the passing on of the Queen, mm-hmm. in inspired me to th- we ought to talk about this uh, as a subject matter because it's very interesting and very of the moment. The recent passing of Queen Elizabeth II and the accession to the throne of King Charles III, which I find really, really a very strange thing to think about, isn't it? When you think of, we've got a, ch- a king on the throne now. Oh God, yeah. This has led to an outpouring of public emotion. <clears throat> And a period of official mourning. Now, if you read the British right-wing newspapers, titles such as the Daily Mail or Daily Tory Graph, you'd be forgiven for thinking the whole country are monarchists. Uh, of course, these papers are all rank hypocrites. Back in 1997, when Diana, Princess of Wales, died, those same papers were gunning for the monarchy. And you may remember they even called for the Queen to abdicate. But that's a story for another day. One of the things that LGBTQIA plus society does very well, in my opinion, is discuss any issue without fear or favour and to weigh up the pros and cons. So tonight we're going to turn our attention to the new king and generally yeah. the institution of monarchy. And is it too soon? No, I don't think so, because a lot of other media is now beginning to talk about this i've seen debates in the guardian and so on and so forth so um do you know i think it's strange that when oh sorry that we're never gonna have it we're not in our lifetime we're never gonna have a queen again 
Mm. No. No. Oh, I didn't have thought of it like that. Yeah. We're never going to have a queen mm, again. No. Well, there's plenty of queens in Bristol, but none of them will be on <laughs> yes, the Yes. Uh, well, fabulous queens. <laughs> Far more deserving. I was going to say that. Do the queer, queer community actually care? Because we have so many queens within us and without us. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing is, I can understand. Yeah. Like, I like to not, I'm not even playing devil's advocate. I really do understand the love for the queen. And I respect it in some sort of way because she was a female of a time where, again, women weren't being put on pedestals they were still very much subjugated and so she symbolised strength a woman who had poise who had decorum and for a lot of people that was beautiful and like it emulated something they wanted to be or they wanted the country to be so I can understand why people have been so heartbroken I mean it would be interesting to compare the like heartbrokenness compared to Diana because like that seemed like it was visceral for a lot of people that was a different that's level a good word. that's yeah. a really yeah, good word for it it was visceral it was like I watched, I watched old footage of it and when she passed it was like we lost a sister yeah. like we lost an auntie when we lost like yeah. and I can and I, I guess we didn't the strange thing is I'm like, not that I think with the queen it's difficult because while she also represents someone who's like a beautiful monarch and a stoic and she also represents to me colonialism and imperialism mm. and yeah I don't particularly want to celebrate those. What do mm. you, what does she, what that comes to your mind when you think about the Queen? I tell you one of the, the best moments for me and the, the, Roy, um, the royal family are not allowed to get involved in politics. So they, they are the head, Charles now, the um, Queen Elizabeth then is the head, but really has no real power. But she got stuck right into Margaret Thatcher yeah, over did. South Africa. Yeah. They had a because um, Margaret Thatcher didn't want to put any any pressure on South Africa. Yeah, yeah, that's correct, Terry. But and she she really can I just clarify that was going back to apartheid. Yes, yeah. And that was a stand-up moment. Well, she she had a row with Margaret Thatcher because Margaret Thatcher did want did not want to put sanctions against South Africa when it was uh, a white power. Subjugating the black majority, and Nelson Mandela was in prison, and she had a big bust up with Margaret Thatcher and said, "We need to sanction." And she really did love the fact that when Nelson Mandela was free, she was there, invited him to London, and they really got on. And from for me, being that Nelson Mandela is probably up on a pedestal for me he's my hero of of the age I think Nelson Mandela and to have him in London and the Queen fought for him that was special for me Mm. yeah yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, I, I was following the media actually after the uh, the the death of the Queen, and it was very interesting. I found that a lot of uh, black media in London, where there's a lot of community stations that serve the black communities, they it was very muted. And I think that there there was that kind of tension, if you like, between that Nasty. respecting of the Queen and also understanding yeah. a symbol of the royal family. And I think what, yeah, and I think what I've seen a lot of is respect the Queen as a person and as an elderly 96 year old woman mm. who tried to do the best job she could do who was born into royalty had no choice but to be our Queen mm, she, I'm sorry she asked to be excluded from the Equality Act of 2010 so she wouldn't have to hire black and I'm brown not, no I'm not I'm talking about
about people that like the Queen, not yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, no, no. So just that their voice is, yeah, yeah. is interesting. But I think there are, there are still people who get very angry mm. and have absolute reason and very founded arguments, historically accurate, statistical <laughs> arguments as to why we should overthrow the monarchy yeah, yeah. and why we should get rid of the monarchy. But I also know that people have hu- humanised. They see her as a human being who's passed mm. away. And, they've, and, and as well, we have like contagious grief. So I know that for me, somebody who didn't really feel either way about the Queen, I did actually cry and I'm, I will be open about that. I was very shocked. Um, you know, a few days ago, a few days prior to her death, she was seen and actually I thought she looked very um, lovely when she was talking to Liz Trust. I just saw her as like my grandma. I know it's very, very cliche and stereotypical. But then you find out three, four days later, I don't know how long it was, that she'd. it felt very sudden. And I think that was what I cried about. You know, it was just like, oh, this is a weird feeling. You know? Yeah, I'd share that because um, it's no secret that I'm a, a, a bell ringer and bell ringers got called on to do yeah. loads of national ringing because it was a national state occasion and we had to uh, you know, commemorate the, the passing of, of the monarch, which we'd mm. never done before. No. Um, so it was it was a hugely um, a big operation and that's what bell ringers do. But... When we were ringing um, the, the the bells, and particularly when I was involved in ringing Great George, which is a huge bell in in, in Bristol, nine and a half tons, wow. there was a bit of me that thought, "Wow, this is seriously poignant because yeah. the nation, uh, whatever you feel about the, the monarchy, but the nation as a whole is 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 marking the passing of, of, of a very yeah, important however they feel person." About it. And I share your views that it's a per, it's a human being and that's the bit I, I have respect for her as a human being i really don't know where i stand on the monarchy though mm. and i agree well, about that if we don't have a royal family then we have a president no, so it's, 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 we, we become a republic we don't necessarily have to have you have to have two houses you have to have a balance so you yeah i know you have to have a, a lower and an upper house you have to like we've got the commons and the lords mm. you have to have two levels but it won't be like it doesn't have to be like the presidency that we see in the US though I think that's a common mistake I think only no it doesn't it can be a powerless it could be yeah it, could, yeah. it, it, well, it doesn't uh, even have to be yeah, that like it, it's yeah. like only three out of um, the many republics in Europe actually have a presidency like they do in America which like so I think we, in this country we fear this mm. alternative because we like we don't want to be like America but yeah. we don't have to be no it doesn't but you still have to replace that head yeah so, um, and whether they, you have to decide on whether they're going to have a certain amount of power or no power. I mean, we keep saying we have to, have to, have to. We don't have to do anything. Like we could change. I mean, I know this is very out there, but we could change it. But like everyone's so stuck on yeah. this like either or. Well, situation. I think we're, we're more stuck point, now than yeah. we have been for quite some time. Yeah. And I think if we don't have the monarchy, actually, one of my concerns, and I don't know if I've put enough thought into this, is that at the moment when we always say we want change to come, when the change comes, it's even worse than what we had before. So there is part of me genuinely that's like worries. You know, like people want a different prime minister. We get a different one. They're worse than the previous one. <laughs> yeah, but like, uh, but how is that? Like, but how is that changed or mitigated by the the monarchy? The monarchy doesn't do anything. They just say yes. Because yes, I don't know what the alternative means in, in in like an economic state or what that would mean but for the country. That's what I'm saying. It would be exactly the same because the queen and or the monarchy doesn't have money decision making. Yeah, it would be exactly the same. But but I don't know what it would mean for the country in regards to how much money they would it would cost to have that type of person or that type of system in place but that's the thing like well it would cost the same amount 
as the Queen currently do. Like they only bring in five hundred million yeah. compared to the rest of what we earn sure. through tourism and stuff. Like this, I don't know. I feel like it'd be exactly the same, but we keep fearing yeah. that it's going to be dramatically different. We do, we do different. need change. We yeah, do. We need do. Change. Absolutely, we do. But I'm not in for like putting more power into the Prime Minister's hands or yeah. someone like that hands either. But we have no. What's the choice? Mm, indeed. Well, we yeah. do have a change, of course, because we now got a king, uh, and that's oh. not anything that we have um, any of us has uh, sort of elected or, or voted. But um, uh, I just wonder how different do you think it's going to be other than changing the words of the national anthem? I suspect that King Charles will try to rule slightly differently. I mean, he has indicated that he wants to get rid of some of those hangers-on. I mean, one of the things about the British system compared with the Dutch or the Danish monarchy is is that there's a big aristocracy in this country there's a lot of lords and ladies and although mm. some people will say that, that that would undermine the pomp and ceremony that you know uh, brings in the tour or allegedly brings in some tourists uh, he, he wants to slim that down so i think he might be a very different kind of monarch mm. um, i mean I, th- but, I find charles very interesting as a person in general i think he's very uh just li- listening to his butler and his stories it's just quite funny like how um like did you see Pengate no. where he was like he no. was like, yes I did <laughs> like it was funny no. he's very I think he's very like <laughs> moody he's like, yeah and like he, I think he, he's incredibly highly strung yeah that's I don't, what I think it's saying. yeah, yeah I don't think it takes much like he got proper annoyed with the pen <laughs> yeah and like he told his butler to come that. and pick a, so a paper <laughs> apparently this is allegedly so I don't want to say but like come pick a paper out of a bin that was right beside him like right. that's the type of guy that we yeah. have as a king now <laughs> <laughs> Final word from you, Terry. Well, it's going to be a very interesting one. We'll see what happens. Yes. Uh, but uh, you know, maybe he'll come and visit the studio and oh, talk to himself. Oh, great! We could grill him direct. Oh, we'll make God. sure there's nothing in bins near him that he oh, needs no, to pull no, out. No, no. Oh no, I'd make him. <laughs> I'll give him a big biro instead of a hundred pound fountain pen. Oh, that'd be lovely. <laughs> <What> <laughs> Keep a, it simple. What a great idea! Listen, we're going to take a break and we're going to carry on discussing uh, news items right after this. The Shout Out Podcast. <laughs> For more information about Shoutout Radio, visit us online at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Shoutout. LGBT Radio for you. Well, that was a bit of uh, Johann Strauss II with... Uh, do, do you know that? Uh, yeah, like I love classical music and it was very like... Doo, 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 doo. It's what you think of when you think of the royal family, isn't it? Doing the pageantry. Yeah, well, I, I, I picked that one. It's called the Thunder and Lightning Polka. Of I thought course. because we were talking about quite a meaty topic, you know, oh. and anyone you know, who's, who's getting involved... Very it's, meaty. Yeah, then a bit of, um, bit of lightning coming down, you know. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, well, I love it. Anyway, Terry, you've got another one for us. I think you're going to lighten the load a oh, little bit yes, now. Yes, something nice and light to... End the uh, programme off, although we did really enjoy our discussion just then. Let's have a look at a fun subject. The TV stations are all over themselves with their autumn schedules. Do you remember, you know, they always used to say new season starts in September. The Voice on ITV goes up against Strictly Come Dancing on BBC One. But all I want to say is, what would your perfect television schedule on a Saturday night be if you were a TV programme controller oh, of course question. these days more people watch on demand television but that counts, counts as well what would you be downloading or if you're like me a traditional TV viewer what would you be tuning into? Mm. 
What programs? Um, My Fair Lady. Oh. Sound of Music. All right, a bit random, but we'll go with it. <laughs> Carousel. All I want is a room somewhere. Carousel. So, Steph, you're more of it, you're going for the kind of film sort of uh, yeah, angle I do, rather I, than the series. I do love movies. Yeah, so, um, and, all, and Sundays used to be things like Little House on the Prairie. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever watched any of that. Anna Green <laughs> yes. Gables. Love me a bit of Anna Green Gables. Uh, uh, I, um, me and my grandmother did dress me up as a Victorian child regularly, so I felt like I had to embrace it. There you go. Oh, really? Bit, bit that was child wow. abuse for you. Well, uh, she did it with love. But I mean, <laughs> I didn't love it. Aggressively. She did it with love. <laughs> um, See, yeah. that would have been heaven for me. Yeah, yeah I know. I know, right? I, I, yeah, I did want to be referred to as Oliver, so I went right the other way. We could have just swapped shoes that would have been good wouldn't it yeah yeah um i think my evening would ma- mainly be benedict cumberbatch but i don't know how to put that into tv shows or i would love an evening that is just nostalgic tv shows we were talking about it earlier weren't we terry and all the things i loved growing up yes um, absolutely. and the 70s 80s 90s and well, the thing is oh. if you're a channel controller and yeah. you want to put benedict cumberbatch <laughs> on the screen you just put him in shows you, you just get him cast as, as an actor in different things in everything I mean, well no you just do like a sherlock holmes you do like very what was the Irish guy with um, one finger cut off? Um, he Dave, always, Dave Allen. Dave Allen. <laughs> oh, Dave he Allen, always yes. had a, a glass of whiskey, whiskey. <laughs> and he was always smoking. Uh, smoking. I would put yes. that back on television. He was so <laughs> chilled. What is generation change? <laughs> he yes. could really. We are going he back could to the seventies now. He could we? be so cruel, but oh, his sense of humor. He was very yeah, I, I know. I commend this that. is when you had to stand up and twiddle the knob to change the channels, isn't it? You had to, yeah, you had to, there was yeah. a dial just like on an old radio. I'm joking, it's actually true. You actually had you to twiddle the knobs. Yeah, yeah, if you didn't like one channel, okay, you had to twiddle the okay, knob. Okay, well, yeah. I, want to, I want to just quickly, me and Matthew still got to go. Okay, I would say starting off in the morning, I love Frasier, so I like a oh. couple of, that is my, I'm still watching it now, it literally gives me so much joy. And then I think Saturday should be half films, half like entertainment. So I mm. love a British, Britain's Got Talent. I love seeing the talent on yeah, the UK. Too. It brings so much joy knowing that your country or some people at least in your country are talented and some really aren't. Um, <laughs> some just think they are. I really do. I need to put it back down. Um, and then I like a film like, I don't know, uh, Shawshank Redemption type yeah. film. Yes. Gladiator. Yeah. Oh, Matthew, I love Gladiator. Coming to you. Coming to you. Well, I, I think because a bit of paper here says what would your autumn evening schedule be? My ideal one would be something to do with gardening. So I'm quite oh, a gardening oh, really? fan. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I'd have Gardener's World Gardner's plastered World. everywhere. Yeah. And that would be what I would uh, would, would have. Terry, wow. quick one from you. Uh, I think I put Doctor Who on back yeah. to back. Classic okay. episodes and the modern ones. Yeah. Yeah. Good Very choice, good. Terry. Well, listen, our time is up for another week. But fear not, you can get more juicy shout out content at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Shout out returns next week, same time, same place, with a drag stacular special. From drags to riches. So until then, take care and thanks for your company. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Shout out LGBT radio for you.